Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson. I am joined on the other line, as always, by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer at the Herald. Anthony, how's it going? Uh, doing well, David. How are you? Doing all right. You know, same as always, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's like the standard answer for the past two months, I know, three I know. months. Every, well, every week, you know, even if every day is different, every week feels the same, right? Yeah, it's weird. Like, you know, I was talking about it with my wife last week. Like, the weekends, even though they're pretty much the same, we're just stay home. The, 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 week, the weekends feel a little different just because, I don't know, like, you still get excited for the weekend even though you really don't do anything. So that's, that's kind of good, I guess. You know, the, the fact that the weekends still feel a little special even though... We're literally doing the same thing every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My girlfriend still goes into the office for work. Um, she's a TV reporter, so uh, oh, cool. so uh, I, I get to see her during the weekends. I guess a little bit more. We get a lot of movie watching done, and um, yeah, just less I try work, to save right? my drinking for the weekend. Yeah. Like you know, try to make it still feel special. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like it's just. I think it's the fact that there's less work. Like even though we work from home. Work slows down a little bit for both of us on the weekends, so yeah. I think that's probably the reason why. Well, I'm excited to uh, try making Cuban coffee this weekend. Yes. Um, so the backstory on that: uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. It's David's birthday. Happy birthday, David! I sent him. He wanted to learn how to make Cuban coffee, so I sent him. I kind of uh, put together a Cuban coffee kit with everything you're gonna need to make it. Um, yeah, so, so when you, so we're when gonna you try to figure that, that out this weekend. <laughs> yeah, when you receive that, you need to call me so that way I can explain to you, or we can do it next week on the podcast so everybody can get my. There we uh, go. We could do Cuban coffee time with uh with yeah. Anthony Chang. I pride myself on Cuban coffee, by the way. Like I like anybody who's tried my Cuban coffee. Um, there's a few people at the Herald who have tried it. Uh, it's probably the best in Miami. I'm not, I'm not trying to brag, but it's, that's just the reality of yeah, the situation. Yeah, you, you bring it to so. Summer League. You bring your whole setup to Summer League. Like, you, yeah, you I bring it to Summer League. That. I bring it. I mean, I've thought about bringing, bringing a long heat road trips, but <laughs> the fact of like going like to four different cities, that's kind of, yeah, that's why I don't do it, just because to pack that four or five different times in a trip, that's, yeah, it's not, that wouldn't be great. So, I don't do it, but summer league when you're in one place for like a week or two, um, it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I bring it to summer league for sure. So as you guys can tell, we have a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> um, uh, the the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, wrapped up on uh, Sunday. Um, so we're gonna milk our last week of content possible out of it, uh, and that is by talking about Michael Jordan. Versus Miami Heat legend LeBron James. It's obviously the uh, the debate that has been the underlying. You know, it it kind of like has defined the documentary, even though it like doesn't. You know, the actual production, like the what the you know LeBron, I don't think he's ever mentioned in the documentary or anything like that. Um, it still is like you know the the buzz was that this idea came about pretty much after the 2016 finals. Um, that this was a kind of start moving forward after LeBron had his signature performance. Um, and obviously just the way social media works, it's the talk every week. Um, I guess first, just what were kind of your final thoughts on the documentary? We've talked a little bit about it kind of here and there every week. Uh, you have a final review? Um, I mean, it was entertaining. Um, 
I think that's the word I would use to describe it. It was entertaining. There was some stuff that I feel like it lacked, but I'm not going to be like, I don't want to be a critic here. Like, I don't want to nitpick. It was a very good documentary. I would watch it again, probably at some point. Like, it was very entertaining. I, it's nice yeah, to it's revisit going on Netflix. It's going to be nice. What? It's Say going that again. on Netflix, which will be nice. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's on Netflix and it'll live there forever. I mean, it's going to be on ESPN Plus, probably, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, as well, um, mm -hmm. with all the all of the other ESPN documentaries. Um, it was nice to relive that era of basketball, such like a fun era um, that you kind of, not, not that you forget about, but like you, you just don't think about much because you're just living in the current day. So it's nice to kind of have those, like relive those uh, those those days where so many good players were in the league. Um, and it's nice to learn about, I mean, honestly, like I know about Michael Jordan. I mean, we all know about Michael Jordan, but there's details, especially when, you know, I was very young when he was in his prime. So I didn't, I didn't, wasn't exactly the biggest basketball fan or watching, you know, that closely. So I, I learned some stuff, but I feel like a lot of the stuff was, it was just kind of revisiting history. I, I didn't, you know, there wasn't like anything super revelatory in the documentary. Um, but it, it was, I think it was a good refresher of just how good Michael was and how different he was, like how competitive, like it, it definitely emphasized that point. Yeah, to me, it kind of either needed to be, like, four episodes longer or four episodes shorter. Just, like, it kind of, you know, you either had to, like, hyper-focus on that last season and, you know, because so much of the pitch um, of why this was going to be interesting was that they had all this behind-the-scenes footage. And that those obviously, the, that was, like, some of the highlights of the documentary were that behind-the-scenes footage, you know, him talking to Larry Bird after they beat the Pacers or, or him in the locker with the baseball bat and the cigar talking about the like anatomy of trash talk um like those were those were definitely some of the highlights of the documentary were those things that people had never seen before because of this camera crew that was following them around in that last season so we either had to kind of like hyper focus on that or i mean i liked honestly the way they like touched on everything throughout his career but i, I think he needed a couple more episodes just because it kind of like felt like we were rushing through a, a couple things you know like the the steve kerr backstory kind of like which is obviously, like, fascinating, but the Steve Kerr story kind of, like, shoved in in a kind of random eight-minute stretch in the penultimate episode. And, you know, I think some of, like, the, you know, like, that, that Sun series, the last one before he goes in to the first retirement, um, you know, which they obviously talk about, like, he averaged 41 points a game in that series. Like, and they, I feel like they, like, did not make a point of, like, how that is arguably the greatest single final like they were just like they, they need to either have more time to spend on those old accomplishments or really just like kind of cursory mention them and focus more on the, the 98 season um but ultimately yeah. like i still loved it like i enjoyed watching it for two hours every weekend and you know it was a fast two hours every weekend and um yeah. it was produced really well and and i mean the obviously like there i'm sure there's like another two episodes worth of like Michael Jordan interviews they could use because those were I mean the, the two highlights were those behind the scenes like tidbits and then also I think just the interviews with Jordan were like excellent look I'm just gonna say it right now okay I I know there's an unpopular take it was a very good documentary um my my biggest issue with it is is this was like unprecedented access into Michael Jordan's life I, granted, I read, I know that they only had a couple hours of worth of interviews with MJ. Like, it was very kind of, you know, they're not limited, but they, they were given a time limit. They kind of have to make sure they fit everything in. But this is still unprecedented access in Michael Jordan's life. Ten episodes long. 
probably do a lot. I'm sure, like you said, you can do more episodes. You can do probably 15 if they wanted to. Um, the access they had in the final season, like the camera crew following it around. I, I just, I would have expected more th- to learn more than that. Yeah. There was a lot of time spent on just, you know, just chronicling his career, which is great. I think, like I said, that was entertaining. And I think it's, you know, that's needed because a lot of us, you know, a lot of us now that are in our late 20s, early 30s, like we, we, we saw MJ kind of, but we don't remember it. It was in like in our, you know, we were still very young. Um, but I just, I wish there would have been more things that I would have learned about MJ, the person. I mean, it, like, honestly, like the last episode when they did the, the quick clips with uh, interviews with his kids, that they kind of did one right after another, which mm-hmm. was like the only time they really featured his kids. Like, yeah, I, I kind of feel like they like did those they interviews have... like two weeks ago, like when they were starting yeah. to get criticism for not having them in it. Like it, it felt yeah. so out of nowhere. It felt like they were like they like spent an hour interviewing each one, and they felt bad if they didn't include anything. So like they had to fit it in some. Like that's what it felt like. Like yeah. I just wish we would have heard more from his. I know we heard a lot from his mom, but like his kids, like just kind of living that life with. I mean, they were around Michael a lot, obviously, and you know you barely heard from them. Like I just, I don't know. I, I wish I would have heard more off the court stuff. I guess. Yeah, yeah, Marcus. I mean, the the two sons. I remember at least Marcus. I think both of them played college basketball like they were i think marcus played at ucf if i remember correctly i know one of them played at ucf i yeah. think another one illinois maybe am i wrong i don't know maybe, maybe. I'm wrong but that. i mean that was obviously like it had to be and you know they, that could be a, its own story it's like being michael's son and then of course uh, jasmine jordan syracuse's own um went to college right. with her so dated cool. scoop jardine the, the syracuse point guard so very exciting stuff all right so we're going to talk about uh, michael jordan versus lebron um, Anthony is going to be the LeBron defender on this episode. I will defend Michael Jordan. Um, we're taking a very, this is a very creative debate. It took yeah. us a long time to come up with this, uh, this debate, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have lots of new information to add here. This, this debate that has never happened before. Um, but it is, I mean, it is something we kind of have to talk about, right? Because yeah. those, so the case for LeBron, in a lot of ways, hinges on that, you know, the four years in Miami, even though his signature performance, like I said, is is that 2016 finals where he comes back uh, against the Warriors, Um, you know, his probably best four season stretch, you know, what were those four Miami years? I think his best individual season was was probably that 2013 season, right? The, uh, it was either 2012 or 2013, one of the finals years, Um, I think 2013 though, so yeah, I mean, we have to talk about it, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's very relevant right now. I mean, that that's a debate that's had all the time, but especially right now. And I don't know if this is true. I, I probably should have looked at this before we started recording. I don't know if you've heard this, David, but I heard that after LeBron won the the finals with yeah, Cleveland against 2016, the Warriors. 2016, yeah. 2016, that's when Michael said, okay, like, we got to, yeah. like, we're gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the green light for this documentary because I gotta remind people like of who I am, how good I am. Because at that point, yeah, that's at least the rumor you know, that's I, out I, there, and yeah. it seems like a you know at least a relatively well substantiated rumor, even if it's not the hundred percent reason. And this was gonna happen at some point anyway. It does yeah. seem like that expedited what we were gonna get. Yeah, because at that point, like people were, you know, it died down obviously a little after that, especially after LeBron lost the finals. I think two two consecutive times after that but at that point 
after what he did in that series and bring Cleveland to a championship and, you know, they were down 3-1 and to come back from that, he was getting a lot of love for the GOAT to be. Like, he, I think that was probably the most, uh, like, the, the biggest, like, push he had as far as going ahead of Michael Jordan. Like, that at that point, if you, like, chronicle it, his whole career, that right after that series, days after that series, is when he probably had the biggest support for saying, for people saying that he was better than MJ. And I don't think it's hit, it hasn't re- hit that peak ever again. Obviously. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, and this is going to be sort of an apt comparison, but also kind of a random one. It reminds me of, like, Tiger Woods in, like, 2000... I don't know what year he kind of had the Tiger Slam when he won four. He won. Mm-hmm. He didn't win all four in the same calendar year, but he won all four majors in a row. Maybe it was 2006, 2007, something like that. When it was just, like... You know, he still wasn't necessarily, like, close to Jack Nicholas yet, but he was, like, clearly kind of, like, on his way. And obviously, like, his career went off the rails, and, you know, you can obviously make the case that, like, Tiger Woods had the best career peak, but it's hard to argue that, you know, just with that major gap he still has with Jack Nicholas, like, that's still the kind of the case there. It just reminds me of that, where it was, like, he still has so much... After that 2016 Finals... Not only did he have maybe the best single finals performance ever, um, but he also had so much of his career to go. He was halfway to Jordan in terms of rings. Um, right. I think what that was his sixth finals appearance, too, I think. So he had matched Jordan in finals appearances, I think, that year. Um, um, or maybe it was he passed him. I think he had just passed him. I think that was his yeah, seventh. Yeah, that was his seventh. That was yeah. his seventh finals appearance, I think. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it was his seventh because he had the one in Cleveland early in his career. Um, and it just like kind of felt like, you know, maybe not that it was guaranteed that he was going to pass Jordan on, like, the all-time list, but, like, he at least, like, he hadn't passed him yet, but he was in position to. And, like you said, it, it had, he hasn't obviously hit that peak again since, and part of that is um, because of Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, and um, and that I think, you know, his, his last, not, not the current season we're sort of in the middle of, but the, you know, he missed the playoffs last year, which obviously uh, is a a tough, like, not notch against him. Um, yeah. But he still has, you know, that, and that's why this debate is, you know, I think so many people kind of, like, laugh at it, scoff at it, and I think we're probably kind of in the same boat sometimes. It, it's just because, you know, his career's still going on. So, um, you know, would it surprise me if Jordan, if LeBron goes to the finals three more times and wins another ring and this debate is takes on, like, a whole other layer? Not at all. Um, and that's what makes yeah. it obviously tough. He's already played two more seasons than Jordan did, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, his. I was looking at the counting stats, and He's if I may start, everything. if I'm, yeah, if I may, if I may start my case for LeBron, um, you mentioned it. I mean, he's not done yet, obviously. So there's still a long way to go. I mean, it could change. The debate could change. You know, many thought that he was on his way to making. His ten, his ten finals appearance, which is kind of crazy in its own, like ten finals appearances yeah. in your career, um, with three different teams, um, I think five different head coaches. Um, I mean, that's an, I mean, yeah, he's three and six right now in the finals, which isn't great, but that's still pretty impressive to go to that many finals. Um, he's he's played more minutes, played played more games, and a good amount more than MJ already in his career. Um, he's ahead of MJ in points, assists, rebounds, blocks. Uh, you know, some of that is because he's played more minutes and more games. Um, but still, I mean, he LeBron has a real chance of finishing as the all-time leading scorer. And scoring really isn't even his biggest strength. 
Um, so I just, you know, it, I, I think when it's all said and done, like the numbers wise, like when you look at it in a vacuum, I know we can't look at things in a vacuum, but if you look at it in a vacuum, um, I mean, LeBron's numbers are going to be among the best ever. I mean, he, yeah. if he's an all-time scorer, assist-wise, probably in the top five. Um, rebounds for his position, like one of the top. Uh, just endurance, like just being able to stay on the floor and how many games and minutes he played. Um, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the longevity, like I said, he's already played two more seasons than Jordan. And two of those, you know, one of those Jordan seasons was the year he came back from basketball and played like, what did he play, like? 20 games that year, pretty much. And one was his second season where he played like 15 games and got hurt. um, And then came back and kind of uh, had that crazy playoff series against the Celtics in the first round. Um, And then two of Jordan's seasons were those wizard seasons where, um, you know, his numbers were still good, but he wasn't obviously accumulating at the same rate. He went from being like a 30 a game scorer to a a 20 a game scorer, pretty much. so, yeah, I mean, the, the longevity, like, that is, there's, like, certain cases, I think, for both guys that, like, you can't argue against. Like, some people are just going to say all those counting stats are what matter. Like, and that's why LeBron is, is the GOAT. And some are going to say the six rings are all that matter. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, Jordan is the GOAT. And, you know, LeBron, obviously, like I said, can still get there. Um, the nine finals appearances are... Impressive, although the East obviously uh, was not exactly a gauntlet compared to even when Jordan was coming out of the East. Um, hey, those Roy Hibbert Pacers are pretty tough, all right? I like those Pacers, too. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. I mean, that Paul George. Yeah, that so Paul George. And, and Roy Hibbert legitimately was pretty awesome for like a year. I mean, defensively. Or like seven months, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, defensively, he was incredible. Like, he was the king of verticality. Like, he would just defend you would never get called for a foul but yeah. and and with so much contact he was just so like he was he he really mastered the art of verticality but enough about Roy Hibbert yeah. go ahead um Roy <laughs> Hibbert not the goat but but uh one of the great one-year wonders I would say Roy Hibbert um yeah. my favorite Jordan stat I saw pop up during this whole thing um that just kind of like I think kind of sums up the whole crux of his argument um he played in 37 playoff series in his career, and he was the leading scorer in 36 of them. And the yeah. only one he wasn't the leading scorer in was his rookie year when he got outscored by one point against uh, the Bucks. Like, he was just kind of, you know, it was obviously the whole Jordan case is basically like the world had never seen anything like him. Yeah, and he was always that guy, right? Like, yeah. No, throughout his entire career. Well, I, I, just I, like I, the league wasn't prepared for a guy like that. He was... Right, he was... He was the first of his kind, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. He was so much better than his peers in a way that LeBron, who, you know, I think has been maybe aside from like quick like forays and like maybe Kevin Durant's the best player in the world or, or Steph, I think, in his back to back unanimous MVP season, I think you could really say that Steph was the best player in the world or at least the most valuable player in the world. LeBron, pretty much since like year three, has obviously been like the best player in the league. Um, but Jordan was the best in a way that he was so much further ahead, I think, of everyone else than LeBron was. And obviously part of that at the league is is better now than it was. Um, but at the same time, like, I think if the, the weird – I don't remember if I t- mentioned this on the podcast or if it's something I've just said in my normal life is, like, they kind of both feel like guys that would have been better in the opposite era. Like, where Jordan, with the spacing right now, like, he would, like – 
get to the rim so easily at this point. Whereas LeBron, um, you know, the the pace is obviously benefits a guy like LeBron who can who can handle uh, the way he can at his size. But um, I mean, he would just be such a physical. Like again, he is. He was one of a kind when he got into the league. Also, like no one ever seen anything quite like him, and um, obviously it would be even more pronounced uh, in the nineties. Yeah, I, I get, that would be my next argument. Is uh, let's imagine a world where LeBron is ahead of, like, comes before MJ. Right. Do you think this is totally different? Like this yeah. conversation. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it isn't because Michael, let's say, he wins six titles and is six and zero in, fi- in, in finals in his career. Um, that's obviously impressive in any era. But if LeBron comes first and he's the guy like that is the first of his kind and the first that's that athletic and the first of just everything. And he becomes like the, you know, he's still a huge mega star, but um, I, I just think this, de- like, we'd be having a different debate. Yeah. And yeah. I, mean, I don't that's... know. I mean, yeah, that's a factor, and like, that's impossible to ignore. But when, you, when you're talking about the best player ever, you're not talking about who came first. Um, you're talking about who's better. You know, like, um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I still, I think this conversation would be to, like look a lot different if LeBron played in the early '90s. And he was before, and MJ, you know, was just now getting into whatever his sixteen, seventeen season, and was playing now. Yeah, I think um, some of the things though that like stood out to me as I was doing very lazy research for for this uh, debate, um, I was kind of stunned. Like, I don't know. To me, it, Jordan just feels like a guy who, as good as he was then, I just think at least offensively, the way the league is played now, he would have been even better offensively, which is, like, crazy to say, considering he averaged, um, you know, 30-plus points a game for his career, had a season where he averaged 37 a game, um, had, like I said, a finals where he averaged 41 a game. um, Right. Averaged 43 a game, I think, in that Celtics series where he scored um, 61 in the one game. Um, But, like... He was crazy efficient, like and playing really unefficient, a really unefficient style. He was crazy efficient. Yeah, he was playing. He was shooting mid range. Shooting mid range jumpers. His he shot forty nine point seven percent from the field in his career. Um, yeah. He, you know, like the, um, you know, all the the metrics, like the advanced metrics, per, win shares, all that stuff still favors Jordan, which is kind of crazy to me, considering like. LeBron feels like he's kind of broken the system and just like in terms of efficiency. Um, yeah. You know, obviously that, that one heat season where he shot like 40 some percent from three, like I think that was probably the best single season either of them had. But the fact that Jordan, I mean, obviously Jordan is helped by not really playing a lot of seasons, not at in his prime um, other than really the two wizard seasons. Um but just, yeah, the, the level of efficiency he had playing that style is crazy. And and at that pace, too. So <laughs> I never realized this because, you know, I, I, I look at Jordan's basketball reference page quite a bit just because I, I think it's uh, very entertaining to, like, read through. Um, his career average, if you adjust per 100 possessions, which um, for a guy like LeBron, like, you know, we're, games are, like, more than 100 points per possessions now. For a guy like LeBron, like, your numbers kind of go down. Um, you know, don't, don't go down because obviously you're not playing all 100 possessions, but, like, per 100 possessions, Jordan's uh, points per game average is 40.4. Like, that is ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. 
So, yeah, I mean, that's what people that say that if, if, like, Michael played in today's game, he'd average 40 points. Yeah. Like, like, I don't necessarily think that's crazy to say. I mean... I mean, it's crazy because, like, the way we guys play now is, like, you know, you would not play that many minutes. Um, and he would probably just be passing more and all that. Like, if you just plop him in a modern offense where it's just, like, spread, pick, and roll, like, he's going to probably have more assists than he does and fewer points just because the way guys get defended. But, like, I don't know. I just... I don't... I don't think he would struggle at all in today's league. Like he would still, it would still I mean, be him and, and him and LeBron would be like. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think he'd average. I think he could probably average close to forty, which is kind of crazy to say. I mean, just because I mean, did you see the scores like in the documentary? Like it was like eighty-two to seventy, and and MD is averaging thirty-three points a game. Like he was basically getting half his team's points. Yeah, like, it's that's, crazy. <laughs> that's nuts. So, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, I, I just. I, I know people say defense was tougher back then. It wasn't. It was just an uglier game. Itself. But, but I, I mean, you look at, like, some of those, again, they're just clips. But some of those clips, it's like, those guys had no chance against Michael because no one was, like, there wasn't the, I mean, the league is so much more athletic now. You know, like, you see the guys guarding Michael Jordan, it was like, they couldn't even, like, get up with him. Like, he would just yeah, take that, a jump shot. That Sun no series where he averages 41 a game, he's got Dan Marley on him. And Dan yeah. Marley was a, like a first-team all-defense guy that year. He was like one of the best defenders in the yeah. NBA. Like he, he, yeah. I mean, I just think yes, the rules lend for more space and more per, like more success as a perimeter player right now. But I think defenders, like when you can throw LeBron on a guard or Giannis yeah. on a guard or someone like that, um, it's just, or Kawhi. I mean, it's just it's it's a different it's a different game. Like it almost looked like Michael was just. He was out athletic, like out athleticing people. If that's a word, I don't even know how to say it. Yeah. But it, it, it was just like, yeah. I mean, there was there was nobody that could really match him athletically, and and then you pair Michael's skill, and it was like, yeah, game over. You know. Yeah. Well, it was obviously also interesting. Like Scottie Pippen was out. I mean, a lot of people have said this isn't a, a new thought, but he was the guy probably best equipped to guard Jordan from that era, and obviously yeah, they so. played together um, the whole time. Um, otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I think the defenses are way more sophisticated now, and the offenses are way more sophisticated now. Like, it's just a totally different game. And, and even though, like, you know, I think the top end, like you're saying, that the, there were more athletic guys, I think the top end from back then would be, like, just fine today, pretty much. Like, when, once you hit the 80s, basically, like, Magic Bird, um, you know, all the guys who were, like, superstars back then, I think would still be, like, superstar-level guys today. But, but it is that next tier of guys. Um, that there's just a big difference. Like, I think you can make a case that, like, basically 15 through 40 in the league right now is probably in, in the best place it's ever been. Um, yeah, put put Bam on MJ. What do you think? You think Bam could stand in front of him? Yeah, I mean, he Bam would be the, like, the yeah, best, yeah. one of the best defensive big men. You know, he would probably be the best defensive big man back then. But again, like, guys... Like he just wouldn't be asked to switch on. Like it's just it's just totally different. It's different. Um, yeah, it's a different view of it. Like different. Yeah, different. The game is played totally differently. I yeah. agree. I mean, that's why it's so hard to to debate across different yeah. eras because it's just it's hard to uh, kind of envision how that player would have fared in this era. You know, yeah. for better or worse. One other question I have for you um, is: so we, we all know Kobe. He had a lot of success in the finals. Maybe not as much as MJ, but. Five and two in final in the finals. Five rings, um, good. I mean, five. I mean, not six and zero, oh, but five and two is pretty yeah, good. Yeah, five and two is pretty good. Um, is he? 
you don't consider him better than LeBron, right? No, 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 no. Definitely so, not. So, so for people who base it just on six and zero, like six and zero record in the finals, which again is very impressive, and I know that's like kind of one of the biggest biggest things Michael has on his side. I don't think you just base it on that because I don't think many. I mean, maybe there are some Kobe stands out there that will say he's better than LeBron. I'm sure there's people out there that think that, but I think. Um, I think the, it's safe to say the majority think LeBron is better. Yeah. Even though he's three and six. So. Well, I think I, the thing we haven't touched on is the Maverick series, right? That's like the massive elephant in the, the room for LeBron. Is, yeah. Yeah, I think other than that, you could say like LeBron had bad luck in the finals. Like the first yeah. one, he really had no chance. He was twenty three against a really good. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone counts that one against him. I think people count that Mavericks one against him, and I think people kind of count that Spur the second the Spurs loss. <laughs> That Spurs off tough. He played well. Which like, those two teams are both incredible. Like that's those were two of the, you know, probably two of the I don't know forty best teams in NBA history or something like that. Like, you know, just kind of throw it out a number there. But like both those teams are really good, obviously. Yeah, and that Spurs. I mean, if you watch that Spurs series, they literally played out of their minds. Yeah. Like they were just hitting every single shot and LeBron led the I think he led the series in points like all the all the counting stats yeah he was really good actually it was kind of Wade struggled in that series right if I remember correctly yeah it was like the first series like not the first but it was like the series we kind of said okay you know Dwayne's in the back end of his career it was like the first signs you know even even Bosch like he wasn't great in the series um it just seemed like the the heat retired yeah you know like they were just like okay and then then they ran into a buzzsaw like Kawhi coming into his own yeah. And the Spurs looking for revenge, and they just played really, really well. And then the Warriors, I mean, the Warriors, I mean, just, I don't I don't even think MJ's Bulls could have beaten that team, honestly, like with Kevin Durant, at least. Yeah, I mean, those teams were loaded in a way we've never seen before, and in a way that just, like, frankly could never hit, like, just people, obviously, that's another uh, a point you can argue for LeBron, is that he basically shifted the way the league works with the, the super teams um, and that kind of stuff. Um, which obviously, like there was some of that, but but they took it kind of to another level. The the big three heat, um, yeah, I would say, and and obviously worked in in LeBron's favor because it got him a couple of rings. But then it also kind of came back to bite him because they lose to the Warriors twice. And and you know if that was just a more traditional straight, like if the Warriors had just kept that step, like they just kept their core intact and adjusted on the fringes, like teams did in, in Jordan's day for the most part, like. Does he have one more ring? Maybe, probably. Like there's it, it kind of cuts both ways for him. Um, but yeah, I think that that Maverick series for a lot of people, and and maybe I'm included in this just because of, you know, when I I wasn't working in me, I was I think I just finished my freshman year of college that, um, Maver- the year the of the first three of the big three Heat when they lost to the Mavericks and. You know, it was, I think most of the NBA world, like most casual fans were rooting for that Mavericks team because it was like a crazy underdog story. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it's hard to forget that when it, when it comes to LeBron, where he, um, you know, he's decent, I guess, in that series. But it was like just a stunning, it, wasn't good. it was wasn't just like a stunningly bad by his standards performance. I think he got outscored in that series by obviously Dirk. And I think, I think Jason Terry outscored him in that series, too. Yeah, he, I don't know what he. I don't know his numbers exactly, but I think he averaged like fifteen or sixteen points a game. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, he and he would and like you just watch the games and it was, he was like invisible, like he wasn't even out there. It was yeah, so weird. I mean, it's it like kind like of hero, like kind of hero's journey stuff, right? Like where you like you have the big setback and then it, it obviously his career really I think turned around from that point where yeah. 
he's a different player pretty much after that season. Um, you know, as good as some of his, his early Cleveland years were. Yeah. Um, and, and then even going into Cleveland, like he just kind of learned how to win um, in a way that I think like Jordan learned how to win eventually. Um, but again, Jordan never had a, I never had a singular playoff series that bad. And I think that for a lot of people uh, will make it tough to ever just view him as indestructible in the same way that Jordan was. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's one of the biggest blemishes um, on LeBron's resume. Um, and I, I think, like you said, it did help him in the long run probably because he really turned around his game. He started posting up more. He started kind of change, like. Yeah, it's kind of the same way before. like Jordan like became a guy who adapt. did more than just try to get to the rim over and over again. Like he exactly. early in his – I mean, they, they touched on it a little bit in the documentary basically with when Phil got there. Um and Jordan had the reputation of being a guy who couldn't win. And I think the same thing kind of shifted with LeBron. Um, and, you know, the Heat changed the way they played offense then to, um, you know, really went to more of like the five-out kind of stuff um, that obviously shifted the league. Uh, so, yeah, ultimately yeah. I think helped him. But it's just a blemish that's hard to get over. And for a guy like LeBron who's going to play 20 years, though, it's easier to forget about it, I think. Yeah. Um, I think I – think... Like in conclusion, um, <laughs> <laughs> they're both I think, good. I think it's like they're one. They're one and two. I mean, in my eyes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could say. I mean, I think most people will say Michael's number one. Um, I, I I would put it this way. I I think LeBron is the most talented player ever. Um, most well-rounded player ever. Um, but I think I think. MJ is the greatest player ever. Yeah. If that's fair. If that's like, I don't know. I think there's a difference between the two. I, yeah. I, I think, think LeBron I think that's kind of like the argument that you would get from a lot of people kind of with our mindset of, you know, not the hot takey type of guys and all that. Um, yeah. Another crazy yeah, stat. On the, that's, a, that's how it's right Another stat that stunned me looking at the per 100 possessions. Jordan averaged more blocks per 100 possessions than uh, LeBron did. Really? 1.1 to 1, which, like, it's not a big difference, but kind of stunning. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think you know, it didn't really get that, that much attention in the documentary, even though we all know. Um, I mean, he was an incredible defender. Like, yeah. he was one of the best perimeter, perimeter defenders in the league. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, his offense was kind of the main point in this documentary, his competitiveness, but defensively, uh, yeah, he was he was really, really good. I so, think yeah, you can I mean, make I, a really strong case he's the best on-ball defender ever. LeBron yeah. is like well, LeBron is also one of like the top handful of defenders of all time. But he, I feel like he was much better as like kind of an off the ball guy, jumping passing lanes, help side blocks, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously, like he played a lot of power forward, like we said in his career too. Um, but Jordan just like stick him on the best guy. And obviously, back then the illegal defense rules like made it tougher to play great team defense. You had to be much more of a great individual defender. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was just a monster on that end. If you watch some of these old games, like the games when he doesn't play well as a scorer, I think we talked about this when we had Crotty on. Um, I think one of those Heat games, like he didn't have a great game offensively, but he was just an absolute monster defensively. He had like four or five steals, and obviously, like those games were lower scoring. So, just as a whole, like. He had you had to be great defensively because every possession mattered. I think in a way that that it doesn't necessarily now. For a heat tie, when you go to blocks, um, 
Dwayne was obviously very good at blocking yes. shots for his size. I think it was second to only Jordan. Yeah. Yes. Um, Remember that was the big chase finished, last year. He wanted to like catch him, and he finished a couple I short. He, I think, but it passed him. I think if you include playoff games or something. Exactly. Like that. He passed him if you include playoffs. Regular season wise, he's he finished eight behind. But yeah, yeah, I mean that's still pretty impressive. Like he was right there with MJ as far as blocks. Yeah. Um, well, and that's kind of so the, yeah, yeah, stupid as well. kind of the big thing that. You know, obviously, I think the Warriors get thrown into this mix also because, like, when you're just talking greatest teams of all time. But I think the Bulls and the Heat are a much more apt comparison because of the way that, you know, I know LeBron doesn't talk in the same way as Kobe does about Jordan and, like, trying to be Jordan and all that kind of stuff. But you really get the sense that he and Wade, and especially because Wade's a Jordan guy, so you wonder how much, you know, and and Wade was obviously just as instrumental in building the big three Heat as, as LeBron was. It really felt like they were trying to make their uh, Jordan and Pippen in a way that yeah. you know that, that Kobe never did when because Kobe was always pairing himself with big men, um, and obviously the Warriors haven't done either because they're just not that that same like they were they were built obviously in a more natural way than some of these other super teams. Um, and they didn't just have two guys; they had like four. Yeah, and they had they had four exactly. Like they they just were built as more of a collective than than a, than a two man operation. Um, but yeah, those teams—the way that you know when you're listing just the best defensive perimeter defensive guys ever—I don't know like if you go, you know, top fifteen or something. There you might have Jordan, Pippen, LeBron, and Wade all on that list. Um, yeah. Which I think makes the those two teams worthy of comparison. Um, and I, as we said, we are looking forward to one day the Big Three Heat documentary. I think that's going to be interesting. How Billy Corbin does it. How about that? I would rather have that. Would you rather have, like, there? there's obviously, because LeBron's career is really segmented into to eras in a way that not even Jordan's was. But the Big Three era is certainly, I think, the most interesting. I think it was the most interesting because it was the most hated. I. Like it was the most. And it shifted the league in a way that none of his other stuff. Like even him coming into the league and clearly becoming like the next all-time great. Like that didn't shift the league in the same way the big three he did. The big three changed basketball, Mm -hmm. and this stuff. Just like I said, the the fact that they were so hated, like they were like they were seen as the villain. I think would make it interesting movie, like how they dealt with that, like not movie documentary. Um, And even LeBron, and after his first season, kind of admitting how that really worked against him because he kind of tried to accept that villain role, but that wasn't who he was. And yeah. He kind of had to refocus his energy into a more positive direction. Um, it, and and then Dwayne Wade that summer after the first season, after they, they lost to Dallas, Wade saying, look, you got to be the guy. I'll take a backseat to you. Like just that whole narrative. Like, I mean, people forget Dwayne in his prime, like before LeBron got there, some, I mean, especially down here in Miami, but some were arguing like Dwayne was the better player, at least scorer. Like he was, he had a score, he won a, he had a scoring title, I think a couple of years before uh, the big three got formed, like just, and then the Olympics. And yeah, I mean, Dwayne was really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then he had the knee injuries and that kind of sent him back a little bit. But yeah, like I, I think that'd be very interesting. And um, yeah, and I, and I really think, I mean, when you, at the end of the day, even if LeBron wins a title with L. Play, which could happen. Um, he's still gonna have. He's still gonna have one of the most championships with the Heat. Like he's won two with the Heat. Yeah. Um, within only four years, he spent what eight years in Cleveland, and he won uh, one. Um, so whether he likes it or not, like LeBron is gonna always be somewhat connected to Miami, just because he probably had his best seasons and his most team success uh, down here. Yeah. 
All right, I think we can wrap things up there. We're going to maybe talk about this ESPN all-time starting five for the Heat, but we can probably do that in a second. They went with Hardaway, Wade, LeBron, Alonzo Mourning, Shaq. Any qualms? No, I mean, it's fine. I, yeah. I, I mean, Bosch is the guy that's clearly missing, and, you know, Jimmy and Bam are just... Yeah, it's just long. you can't count them yet. You, you yeah. can't count on them, but but Bosch is the one guy you'll say, well, you know, he might deserve to be on there. But the five that are on there, really, it's harder to take one off. Yeah, especially so. if you want to have that kind of positional traditionality with two guards and then yeah. the three front court guards, you need to have Hardaway on there. I think that's kind of the guy that Bosch could maybe push out, or you can maybe have him push out uh, Shaq, because Shaq only played three seasons in Miami or... And Alonzo is uh, center. So you basically have two centers right now on the team. Yeah, so that's if you want to take yeah. one center off. But, yeah, I mean, I, I have no issue with it. I mean, those five guys deserve to be on it. It's just uh, Bosch probably deserves to be as well, but it's only five mm-hmm. spots. So Only ten players in Heat history have been All-Stars, I think, which is like – Really? We've talked – I think we've kind of talked about it before. Um, not on this podcast, but just like in person. But it's those – the five guys plus Bosch, obviously. Then Goran, Jimmy – Bam and Anthony Mason's one season in Miami. He was an All Star. Did Glenn Rice make an All Star team? I don't not here. I don't think. I think he did in in Charlotte, but okay. never with the Heat. Um, I think we yeah. talked about this when they were like when they were retiring Bosch's jersey. That like every All Star other than Anthony Mason has had his jersey retired. Really, that's funny. It's crazy. Obviously, other than the three active that. guys too, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, yeah, I mean, that list, is, that list is fine. I'll, I'll yeah. fine with it. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to plug or anything before we get out of here? Um, no. I mean, if, quick thing about the NBA and kind of where things stand. I mean, not much has changed oh, yeah. I guess we since talk last about week. That. Really <laughs> focused on that. What? So, I guess what we could talk about that. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's always, uh, yeah, it's always pretty that's something we should probably talk about every week right until the league starts but i and there really hasn't like the reason why we didn't really discuss it that much this week is because there really hasn't been an update like it's pretty much the same as last week where there's just a lot of optimism that the season's going to continue like at at some point probably it looks like in july at this point that games might start being played but you know that momentum hasn't really um quieted like if anything it's probably picked up a little bit um so i think players want to start the season i mean chris paul said that in the jump Last week, that the you know, players want to play. Um, obviously, owners want to probably continue things and not lose all that. You know, they're gonna they would lose a lot of money if the season is lost. Um, so, I think the expectation at this point is they're gonna finish the season. Um, it's just waiting for an official announcement, um, and you kind of hope for no setback because obviously that could change things. Um, and then the other thing is how are they gonna do it? Um, that's the other mystery as well. How are they gonna? pull this off will it include 30 teams will it include playoff only playoff teams will it be in orlando will it be in vegas um still a lot of things left to determine but i think the thing we can say now is it's likely that the season will be completed yeah feeling pretty good feeling as good as i was last week right hasn't hasn't shifted back in the other direction which it no. has felt like time to time you know week to week it's it shifted back and forth but i feel just as good as we felt last week um, all right, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Um, personal plug, I guess we're we're starting to roll out some stories on a bunch of the high school seniors who lost their senior seasons uh, because of this. So if you're interested in, in that kind of stuff and just a way to recognize uh, some of the great athletes we obviously have down here in South Florida, a plug that has nothing to do with me. Uh, I really on the the documentary kick. 
I really liked Kevin Durant's documentary about uh, PG County basketball. It's all like an hour. It was on Showtime. Um, the best place in the world to, for developing basketball players. 30 players since 2000 drafted from PG County. Kind of crazy. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not, that's, that is great. I have to watch that. Where is it on? Showtime. It's only like an hour. Uh, produced by Kevin Durant, Victor Oladipo, and Quinn Cook. Three of like the somewhat legendary guys from that county. Quinn Cook more of a legend because of his high school and, and college exploits. Although he, he has got a ring at all, all three levels, so. Yeah, true. Yeah, he was on the Warriors team, right? Yeah, I'll check that out for sure. That's a good one. Yeah, I'd love it. It makes me want one for Miami about why Miami is so good at developing football players. I feel like there was, well, I guess. Well, there was a, didn't Uncle Luke have the, like, Warriors of Liberty City? I think on Showtime also. Yeah, Liberty City Warriors, but that was like, it wasn't like a revisiting of history. It was more just chronicling these. Yeah, yeah, the culture, the football culture down here and, like, a, a current Little League team. That was really, really good. Yeah. Um, and just kind of their day-to-day life and all that. But it would be good to kind of have something about just the football pipeline. Just not yeah. only in Miami, but Broward and even Palm Beach, like the Muck and Glade Central and Pahokee. Like, yeah. just that Tri-County area has produced so much talent. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, this documentary, like I said, it's only an hour, so it's kind of quick and kind of goes cursory over a lot of the history. It kind of blends, like, the history and the current stuff. And a lot of Michael Beasley, some great Michael Beasley uh, interviews in it, honestly. Um, for the, for the heat tie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I learned, you know, I'm from that area, not from PG County specifically, but from the County over and obviously kind of grew up in that basketball scene following that basketball scene. And, and I learned stuff. So, so I'm sure a lot of people will learn stuff from it too. All right. Uh, let's wrap up there though. Um, Anthony, thanks as always, uh, for talking to me. Of course, David, enjoy your birthday. Yeah. Thanks. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. 